Hello and welcome once again to What's Out There, the paranormal podcast from the Out There Paranormal Group. And telling you stories tonight, we have myself, Nigel. And myself, Juliet. And of course, Izzy the ghost cat in the background. She's here. She's busy trying to get treats out of a mouse on the floor at the moment. So (laughs) that'll keep her occupied for a few minutes, I think. But uh, yeah, no doubt she'll be ringing her bell later. So... Last time we were celebrating the festive season, and this time we're looking into a brand new year. We are indeed. So 2023, and this is going to be our our fast, first podcast of the year. Honestly, we've been out for a meal again, haven't we? This is is part of the course with us doing this podcast, isn't it, George? What do we do? I'll go on yours. Let's go out and have something to eat, or we'll end up eating an yeah. Indian or drinking We always wine. we treat, don't we? We, we do have a treat when you come over. We do, treat. and it's marvelous. Yeah, it's and then nice. we get on to our podcast. So, mm-hmm. without further ado, let's talk about the subject for this podcast. And I was thinking back, you know, it's sort of cold and windy and wet and horrible. And I was thinking mm. back to the halcyon days, of the summer, when we could go down to the beach. Oh yeah. And we know how much we love the beach. Absolutely love the beach with the waves crashing gently against the shore, kissing the sand. What are we going to say? The sun is shining and the seagull. Well, yeah, seagulls are ah, yeah. nicking your chips. But it's, yeah. it's just we all love a good trip to the beach. And we? we're really fortunate here in North, like we said before, yeah. um, we've got so much coastline. We have, and it's really nice. It is actually. fabulous beaches. I know people sort of laugh about Norfolk and things like that, but we do have some stunning beaches. Here. We do, We're quite fortunate. Yes, we are very fortunate mm. indeed. And so, of course, the seal colony at uh, Horsey. Horsey, yeah. Horsey Gap. They've got so, all their little pups out at the moment. Yeah, all the babies are out, yeah. but they have got um, the guardians out to protect them as well because yes. it gets very busy oh, down there. And, and honestly, those... people. Sitting their children on them. Oh, children, dogs. I mean, yeah. it's just ridiculous. You, you think to yourself, why? Mm. Do you not understand? Just stand back and observe them from a distance. Exactly. And, you know, just respect our wildlife. Enjoy the sake. spectacle. Anyway, that's my nag over. We tried. We, 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 we were off on a tangent there, weren't we? Yeah, well, that's yeah. me. I'm off on a seal that. tangent. <laughs> but anyway, we shared some spooky stories from the coast before. Yeah, we did. And um, we've got loads of them. Yeah, this is part two, isn't it? It is, Ghosts of the Coast part two. So we have some more tales to tell you. These have all got a little bit of a common attachment. Mm. Because they all... Well, let's see if you can sort of pick up the attachment that we actually have. So first off, we've got a tale from Weybourne, which is a little further north between Sheringham and Cromer. And we're going to work our way down the beach. And we're actually going to sneak over the border. (gasps) Are we allowed? Into Suffolk. <gasps> Shh, don't tell anybody. Okay, okay, keep it secret. Exactly. So first yeah. of all, we've got a tower from Weybourne Beach, and I think this is very much your sort of story, Jules, so <laughs> I'm going to let you tell this one, I think. Alrighty, okay. Okay. So, Weybourne Beach. When the moon is full, a persistent whistling sound can be heard on Weybourne Beach. Some people have reported that once the whistling stopped, they saw the vague outline of a man, believed to be the ghost of smuggler John Smythe. Now, according to the legend, one night when the moon was full, Smythe and his crew came to Weybourne to smuggle goods. Smythe left his crew to meet up with the daughter of the local inn's landlord, but said he would be back at a certain time. While he was away, the customs men got word of the smugglers and headed to Weybourne to catch them. Now Smythe's crew found out about the customs men and knew they needed to leave. And when Smythe didn't return on time, they assumed he had been captured. So they began to row back to the ship. Now the customs men didn't know the boat had left, so they hid in the sand dunes and waited for the smugglers. Smythe whose rendezvous with the young lady lasted a little bit longer than expected, returned to the beach and saw the rowboat heading out in the distance. He started to whistle to get the crew's attention. Instead, the whistle caught the attention of the customs men and they came after him. 
Smythe decided to try and wade out towards the boat, hoping that his smuggling friends would turn back for him. But unfortunately, he did not know how to swim, and the tide was coming in fast. The customs men couldn't swim either, so they didn't go after him. So, what happened next will probably never be known, but somehow he must have lost his footing, or perhaps the current was so strong that it swept him off his feet. Whatever the reason, he disappeared below the waves and drowned. The last sight of John Smythe was his one remaining outstretched hand, trailing his body below body that was never to be recovered. Now, when the moon is full, he returns to the beach at Wayborn, whistling to try and get the attention of his crew so that they will come back and rescue him. But they never have. That was an interesting tale, wasn't it? Sad though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. The thing that got me was the fact that um, he didn't know how to swim. And you would think no. of these smugglers and sailors, but they didn't. No, they really didn't. So many of them didn't know how to swim. And to take that gamble and try and wade out to the boat in the hope that you could get them to turn around and come back for him. So The tides as well and the currents underneath yeah, the sea. I was going to say, you've got no chance. It's. I mean, but they change so quickly, don't they? They certainly do. Well. I mean, the whole of our coastline um, is littered with instances where people have gone in been swept away by the currents and some of the beaches are really dangerous sea pauling is a classic mm -hmm. example there's a riptide there and that's caught a lot of people out and it's really quite sad when you go to the beach you can see the plaques as you walk down the beach in remembrance of the people yeah, that have drowned there so yeah, sad yeah. isn't it it's creepy what about, where was it they were doing the cockling and the tide came in and they um, died stukey that's sad as well. key as it's spelled. Yeah, yeah, when the girl was stuck out. We told that story in the in the first Ghost no, of the Coast. No, I mean recently. Not the ghost one, because we've done that. Oh, um, is that... Recently, some people... Yeah, there was. I'm there. trying to think where there was. That was... Mm. Up, up further north, actually, was up it? towards the wash, wasn't it? But still on our sort of side yeah. of the coastline, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it is, yeah. But that's the problem, you, you know, you just... You've got it, it's so easy to get caught in currents and and try and figure out if you figure out when the tides are coming in and when yeah. they're going out because you can get stranded. The beach is a very careful. dangerous place. Yeah, it can be a very dangerous place. Yeah. So Our anyway, next one. indeed. Oh, while we're still in Weybourne, mm. Weybourne's got a really good museum for sad people like myself who like <laughs> tanks and guns and stuff like that. I'm sad as well then. I know. You love it too, don't <laughs> I you? Know. Oh, I know. I'm sorry. That sounded dreadful, <laughs> I know it? you're sad. No, you're yeah, not sad. Oh. My tragic life. No, yeah. I feel really bad. <laughs> where was I? The Muckleborough Collection <laughs> yes, is where indeed, I'm going. The museum. The museum, mm. yeah. Um, it was set up by a gentleman called Barry Savory. And 1980s, I do believe he set the place up. Mm. And he's long since gone, but it's still mm. there. But it has a collection of tanks and military vehicles, but it also has its own collection of spooks. Oh, really? I didn't it know It does that. indeed, yeah. There's a few stories attached to it. In oh. fact, a certain paranormal TV show who shall oh, yes. remain nameless, I think. I think we all know who the po most popular, one of the early TV shows. One of the shows. early TV shows. Not Action mentioning any names. Yeah, we're not going to say anything. Nigel might have mentioned on Twitter. I might have actually let the cat who? out of the bag, <laughs> but we're not going to say anything about it on our podcast. Mm -hmm. But they actually visited this location and investigated here. So yes. it's quite interesting. And I bet they had loads happen, just like they did in every single episode they produced, right? Possibly. <laughs> possibly. They possibly might have had a medium who got taken over by someone. And yeah, God. yeah, I think you know what we're talking about. It wasn't Mary Loving Dick, was it? It was not Mary Loving Dick, but it was Mary actually Mary. Dick. It was it was it wasn't at the it wasn't at the Michael No, that wasn't it there. Was no, no, one. thankfully, yeah, no, no. Yeah. But he was he actually um it, yeah. You know who we're talking about. You he was, do. He was you taken do. over. He pretended, pretended, oh, sorry, it's an awful thing word. to say. He was taken over by the spirit of Barry Saviour, the guy that actually set the museum up. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of, 
questionable. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows, mm. indeed, yeah. The Mucklebrook Collection itself is a military museum that was opened in 1988 and is sited on a former World War II anti-aircraft training camp at Weybourne, where we're saying it was. Um, staff at the museum have reported seeing uh, unexplained spirit lights at night time, usually close to the old pillbox. Now, it's suggested that these lights might be the spirits of six ATS guys, girls, sorry, not guys, girls who died in that area. A lot of the anti-aircraft crews in World War II, especially on the home front, were women. So what does ATS stand for? I think it's Army Training Services, but I might be wrong. Okay. I, it's just that I, I wasn't sure what yeah, ATS Yeah, I, I think it's Army Training Services, okay. but I, I... Well, it would make sense if yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a training camp for anti-aircraft. Mm. They used to have, like... Um, drones and things that they'd sort of throw up like gliders and they'd practice shooting those down and things. What happened was um, a gun crew for a standard um, anti-aircraft gun was six and these poor six girls were firing on the anti-aircraft guns and one of the shells got stuck in the breach and exploded and killed oh, all six nasty. of them. That's yeah, funny. so um, they think mm -hmm. these mysterious lights could be related to that incident. Mm -hmm. Okay, and... In the museum itself, it's got lots of vehicles, and one of the vehicles I've got there is a Soviet T-34-85 tank, okay, and that's said to be haunted. Um, people have stood by and often heard the sound of the engine cooling down, making that sort of noise oh, that wow. engines make, yeah. but that engine's not been started for years, okay, so it's not possible that it could be cooling down, and there's mm. been significant significant temperature drops um, also experienced close to this tank as well. That's interesting. And people have said they've heard voices around it. So it could be actually linked to the items within them. It could actually be more likely to be yeah. the vehicle itself rather than something that was actually in the museum before. Whereas the ones outside by the pillbox, the lights are more likely to be related to the poor girls that died there. So, I mean, was, was there any sort of documented evidence of anything happening to that particular T-34 tank or not? I don't know. I'd have to look that one up. I'm not sure. Be interesting to know. Whether it's all combat or not, I don't know. Hmm. But it would be interesting to find out if it was one that was sort of saw action in World War II because it's a World War II tank. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. There has also been hundreds of reports of phantom footsteps, poltergeist activity, eerie groans, disembodied oh. screams and shouting. The sounds of an iron gate slamming in the restaurant when there's no iron Ooh. gate there. Did there used to be one? No, not as far as I know, oh, which weird. is really odd, isn't it? Yeah. <coughs> and me. strange movements have been heard in the artillery hall, which is one of the big areas that they have where sort of some of the exhibits are set out. And mm. um, people often see unexplained shadows moving about. Okay. Particular hot spots uh, are the office, this is Barry Savory's old office, that's plagued by poltergeist phenomena, which included the picture mysteriously leaping off a wall. Uh, where a certain chair is always left unoccupied, it's something of a cold spot and the office dog refuses to go near it. Mm. And apparently if people sort of sit in the chair and move it, then it gets moved back to where it was before. Um, footsteps are heard in the corridors and in one of the old military ambulances, a man's voice has been heard screaming in agony. Oh dear. Yeah, so it sounds a really interesting place. The disappointing thing is even though those people got into investigate. Yeah, well, they would, wouldn't they? Joe Public can't get into investigate. Oh, well, that's not fair. I know. I've been there. I've actually visited this museum, yeah. and we'll have to take you, Jules. I'd we'll have to, we'll go. have to go and visit. Yes, I know it's the sort of thing you'd love to see it anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can get a sense of it because it is a really a creepy place. Can do they allow you to touch any of the items or or not? You can touch the vehicles. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you up. can touch the tanks. You do your. Psychometry, psychometry yeah. yeah on on that's where you, for those of you who don't know what psychometry is um do you want to explain jules well psychometry um is basically where it is said that you can touch an object and get feelings images sensations of something that's happened um, using that particular object so I've picked things up from swords and knives mm -hmm. and I have actually been proven to be correct but I find in my experience of psychometry um, for psychics and sensitives it's a little bit hit and miss sometimes yeah. I can get all sorts of amazing things and other times absolutely nothing even when there has been a past documented with a particular item it doesn't always I remember we did um, Ruffham that time. Yeah. Um, we went up there on the Sunday to have a look around just to get our bearings before we did investigation. And yes. you went into that, that Nissen hut where they had bits of the plane set out. 
and you touch that plane. It was a plane engine, I think, I had in there, wasn't it? And you really got a strange feeling from that. And then we went back on the night to investigate. The damn thing was locked and we couldn't get back in there, mm. could we? It was so frustrating because you really sensed something on that one. I remember that well, really well. people been killed in it or something? Yeah, it was it one of the ones... that's what I thought I'd, yeah. I picked up and I didn't know. You were saying that you got a sensation of... Um, Burning. Somebody saying they, they wanted to land but they couldn't land. Yeah. And they kept going round and round that's and round. Right. And that's exactly what happened with that plane. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, that. that's oh, it. And I wanted to get you back in there to sort of do it again, but we couldn't on the night. Yeah, so, shame, yeah. wasn't it? We're digressing again, aren't I, we? Yeah, we are. But yeah, so Muckleborough, sadly, much as we'd love to investigate, yeah. they don't tend to let people in these days. We can ask. But we can go and have a wander around. We can just go so you and can wander see. around yeah. and ask, and they'll probably tell us to Foxtrot Oscar. Mm. Oh, yeah, like they know. do, yeah. But yeah. it's worth a look. Um, Weybourne itself has got some really strangely named places. Some sinister. Indeed. So, yeah, the first one is a place called Dead Man's Hill. Okay, and according to legend, his hill straddles the boundary between Weybourne and Upper Sheringham, which is the next sort of little village along. And local legend says that it was named this name because the victims of the Black Death in Weybourne were buried here in a mass grave. Yeah, but is that... A genuine, or is it like tomb, tomb land in Norwich where... It could well be another... Oh, it is, it is said. It's, it's that classic yeah. phrase that you get. Yeah. You'll hear us saying a lot of that in this podcast. It is said. And a lot of it is folklore tales. Well, yeah, because a lot of it, you can't verify it no, if there's no information or no No, no, no records. records kept, yeah. So, so a, lot of, a lot of it is hearsay, and a lot of it is handed down from generation to generation. Yeah. There's also um, one called No Man's Friend, and this was known by locals as No Man's Friend, and it's the field to the west of Kelling, and it was said to cause those who worked on it to fall into a slough of despair from which they were unable to escape. Mm. Now, the story goes that once upon a time, a farmer, sane to all seeming in mind, sound in body and flourishing in estate, walked out of his front door on a fine June morning and resolutely treading the violas of no man's friend, he threw himself off the cliff and into the sea. Now, Weybourne itself is believed to take its name from the old English... Well, yeah, how are we going to pronounce that one? I don't know, Nigel. Yeah, I, I always do this to you, don't I? <gasps> Read this bit, George, because it's got a funny word in it that I know that Is you can't it say. Wergburner? Wergburner. It's spelled W E A R G, so we think that's Werg and Burner. B U R N A. It means felon's stream and suggests, somewhat gorily, that the area may have been a place where criminals were taken to be drowned. And criminals used to be executed by drowning, their hands tied behind their knees in rivers, tidal streams or quagmires. They also used to do it on the beach because we were talking about this. That's right, yes, yeah. It was they something used to they quite often do that, yeah. stick them down in chains on the beach and wait for the tide wait to come in. Wait for the tide in. to come in, Horrible, yeah. Uh, creepy. But for periods in the Middle Ages, those who had the power of administering laws in their respective districts possessed such drowning pits. So close to no man's friend lies the quag, a marsh directly behind the shingle bank near Kelling Hard. These are all places near Weybourne, by the way. It could have been the site of medieval executions. Did an echo of what happened in the area remain ingrained in this piece of land for centuries? I would think so. Now, the interesting yeah. thing with No Man's Friend is, um, like a lot of the Norfolk coast, it's gradually been eroded away and it's falling into the sea. <gasps> yeah. So has the curse of No Man's Friend fallen from up there down onto the beach and does it remain there or is it going to all be washed away by the tide that's very interesting yeah it is indeed yeah so that's slowly disappearing so mm. that curse may well go and be swept out to sea or not or not as the case may mm. be now chroma chroma you've all heard of chroma famous place for chroma crabs bit that of chroma love. crab a little bit chroma, chroma crab with a little bit of salad and a baguette uh, can't a... be a good chroma crab. the quintessential english seaside town it really is isn't it, it is yes yes mm. quaint and charming i love chroma it is very it, chroma is like a lovely chroma. place yeah now our first haunting tale chroma stems from a walk in the graveyard of the church of saint peter and saint paul this is the tale told by author walter rye in his book chroma past and present which is published sorry which was published in 1889 and name checks the church and the spectre that appeared in the ruins 
Now, a caretaker clearing away debris in the ruined churchyard, standing paralysed as an ethereal child rose from the ground, blood pouring down her white clothes from a great gash at her throat, a mournful sigh sounding in his ears as she departs. Yeah, creepy. Mm, right? <laughs> but of course... We can't talk about Chroma without mentioning its most well-known landmark, excuse me. Oh, Chroma Pier! The pier! Yeah. Get out on the pier! <laughs> There's been a pier or, or jetty at Chroma since 1391. The early jetties were little more than wooden structures for boats to moor onto and unload or to let people get onto them and stuff. The last wooden jetty was built in 1846. It survived until 1890 when in a similar fashion to many of the jetties before, it was swept away by a violent storm. We get a lot of these on the East Coast, it had to be said. Not so much recently. No, but they're back in the back in the Back in the back day. Back in the day. Way back when. Way back when, black me, Yeah, Billy. In the 18, 1800s, 1900s, we, they were quite a lot. Yeah, lots. I mean, lots documented. Lots of tales of violent mm. storms and boats getting wrecked and all that stuff. Yeah. So the last wooden jetty swept away by this violent storm in 1890 and for a few years there was nothing there. But in 1901, a 550-foot iron pier was opened and this structure had to endure a number of disasters itself, being damaged by storms in 1949, 1953, 1976 and 1978. Gows destroyed the amusement arcade, and on the 14th of November 1993, this is fascinating, a 100-tonne oil rig crashed into the pier, isolating the theatre and lifeboat station. Where the hell did a 100-foot oil rig come from? I think it was actually further out. Mm. Well, they used to bring them in. They did, yeah. To do repairs and things like that. Drop them offshore. So this one must have pulled its anchors and just Mm. got swept ashore. Good Lord. There seems to be a lot of disasters with this thing. I was going to say, yeah, you sort of read through it and see how many times there's been storms and gales. I'm just looking at the, the dates, 49, 53, 76, 78, and then 1990, whether there's any kind of, and 1993, whether there's any kind of connection between those numbers. I can't Ooh, see yeah. one. I can't see one, but yeah. that, that might be worth looking into as well. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't thought of that. Mm. Yeah, interesting. Mm. Okay. <coughs> oh, <coughs> excuse me. I'm still getting over that damn cough I, I had in the last podcast. You. But it's, yeah. it's not just tales of, of disaster that the pier has to tell. It also has its own collection of ghostly stories to share. And the most commonly reported apparition is of an ashen-faced man with black hair and a tall hat, who is thought to be the Irish impresario Dick Condon, referred to his <laughs> obituary. Oh, I knew you that. were going to snigger as soon as I said that, because what does it sound like? I know. Oh, smut alert. I'm sorry. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. So, Dick Condon. Dick Condon. That's the man. <laughs> referred to in his obituary as the best-known, assuredly best-loved figures in Norfolk. Several performers have reported seeing him on stage, standing next to them. Others have seen his shadow cast across the theatre or have heard him laughing in the backstage area. Mm. So, we've got Dick Condon laughing backstage area. We have. Indeed, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm. Smut! Stop it! <laughs> <laughs> Now, while Nigel chokes, I would explain that performers and staff have reported the feeling of being watched in the backstage area, the back corridor, and in particular the dressing room. There is talk of a very intense and oppressive atmosphere occasionally felt in this area. Shadow figures have been seen and mysterious disembodied laughter, singing, footsteps, taps and bangs have also been heard here and across the theatre. There's been poltergeist activity in the form of objects moving on their own accord and bottles and glasses being mysteriously smashed in the bar. Now, the ghostly goings-on here... (laughs) Oh, you know what we're going to say, don't you? Oh, not again. They they did. What is it with you and this TV crew, I really can't help it. God's sake. It's just one of those things. I just Uh happen to pick on two Uh locations where these... People. People 
have been before. I know. Well, we know who they are, so they investigated it. So tell us what happened. But the weird thing is that um, the psychic guy they had with them picked up this story about this girl called Elizabeth. Okay. Who had apparently witnessed a killing on the stage. What, back in the 1920s? In the 1920s, allegedly, okay. yeah. So they said oh. in the 1920s. See, she was on the stage acting a part and um, either the person was stabbed with a prop knife that wasn't, was been swapped, so yeah. it was a real knife, or had been strangled. Oh, blimey. Yeah, well, they were doing a sort of scene and the person got a bit carried away and strangled them. Oh, lovely. Now, the weird thing is, okay, in a short space of time, mm -hmm. this story's changed. Oh. Okay, from her being the witness of the killing mm. to her being the victim of the killing. Who changed the story? We don't know. Because now when you read the reports, I was researching this one. and the, Surely the death would be documented though, wouldn't it? This is it. This is one where you could think from the 1920s, yeah. somebody dying on stage in a theatre, mm. you would think that it would be somewhere you on would. record. There's no record of it. So you have okay. to ask yourself whether or not it's... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Another one of those. Exactly. Is it the genuine one or is it just... Well, yeah. I mean, the, mm -hmm. the excuse given was the fact that um, it was covered up yeah, and they didn't right. want anybody to know. And she, the, the, the girl that was killed wasn't a well-known actress. Well, so they covered it up. So I guess it's possible. It's possible. But I would but, say probably unlikely. Yeah. But I just love the fact that it's like... It started out of one story from mm. a TV programme. Mm. It's now become a common theme yeah. that people say this event actually happened. And she's now the victim rather than the actual person yeah, that witnessed it. So it's strange how these stories can Chinese change, Chinese whispers, it? that's yeah, what it is. Indeed, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, she was killed on stage and she said to haunt this place. But you have to sort of question it. But the other things are genuine. Staff still say they hear noises, they hear the laughter, they sense this guy being there as well. So, yeah, sounds like a fascinating place. Another one that mm. we'd love to investigate. Mm. Whether we'll be able to get in there, I don't know. What, the lifeboat station? Or the Cromer Pier. Lifeboat oh, I'd love to do Cromer Pier. Yeah. The, uh, the lifeboat station, as you mentioned, is actually further on at the end of the pier. And that's another one I'd love to get into. Um, do you want to sort of say about that one? Yeah, sure. Well, witnesses are said to have seen the ghostly figures of lifeboat crewmen heading towards the station, perhaps to launch their boat to rescue the ghostly sailors whose shouts and cries can sometimes be heard as you stand on the pier. I mean... Unfortunately, with our lifeboat men, particularly in Norfolk, there has been a lot of loss of life and oh, disasters. Wow. I, mean... I remember, gosh, go, this is going back. I'm an old bird now. But years ago at school, um, we talked about Caister on Sea in Norfolk and the lifeboat men never turned never back. Never turned back, yeah. And there was a big loss of life there. There was, yeah. yeah. You know, and that was their motto, never turn never back. Never turn back. Caister men, never turn back. Never turn back. And there's actually a pub. The local pub is called the Never Turn Back. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, you know, quite often they'd go out in treacherous waters and never turn back and never come back, Paul. And when you look at the boats they're actually operating, yeah. there's no engines on there. They row the boats out. Absolutely incredible. And you think how brave those guys must have been to do that. And like you said, there was some horrendous shipwrecks mm. along our coastline. So it's quite believable, I would think, that yeah. you know there could be ghostly sailors. I was going to say, there. still there. Because there is, yeah. I mean, the, the sea is so tied up in folklore tales. You know, there's so many stories attached to the sea, so many superstitions yeah. that go with it. I mean, I, you know, obviously, though, you know, back in the day, there were so many shipwrecks as well because it's mm. very, very rocky, isn't it? Sort yeah. Sort of on our side as well. But, um, I mean, what, last time I was on Winston Beach, I mean, we haven't looked into this yet, but I picked up on something happening there. You did. We, we, we're going to have to do this because you yeah, said we, something different mm. for us to do is actually go down to the beaches and do an investigation on a beach. We need to do that. We need to we? do it because it will be different. That. We will do it, yeah. We'll do an investigation. We will indeed. Hmm. Okay, now the weird thing, here we go again. This is what I'm saying, a lot of these stories are linked together. It isn't the visiting paranormal team that links them. It's something completely different. We're standing at the end of the pier with the lifeboat station. Um, look out to sea and imagine yourself standing there 700 years ago because you wouldn't be looking at the sea. 
you'd be looking at the village of Shipton, Shipton juxta Cromere, which is the way of saying mm. Shipton near Cromere. Yeah. Okay. Now an echo. It's washed away in the 13th century uh, due to land erosion and the advancing sea. So it's a village that's gone. And we have a lot of these along our coastline. We do. Missing villages mm. you know, that have just completely disappeared into the sea. Um, after the village disappeared, it was said that men on rags would sleep. Men in rags would sleep on the beach, and that low tides would dive under the waves to pillage anything remaining in the lost village. And shades of these ragged figures have been seen on the beach and on the pier. Oh, I so, wonder why. Maybe uh, some of them. Oh dear. Yeah, yeah. Didn't after come drowning in the sea. Exactly. Didn't yeah. come back from their adventures, nicking things out That's the village. It, yeah. Okay. Um, over time, very little remained apart from the church tower, known as Church Rock. Okay, and you could see it from the end of the pier. All right. On the 9th of August, 1888, a steam-driven pleasure boat named the Victoria ran aground on the rock and started to sink. The ship was abandoned and all passengers and crew managed to escape, thankfully. An attempt was made to rescue the ship, but it proved impossible to move as firmly wedged onto this rock. And in the end, she was finally removed by blowing up the ship and the rock with dynamite. Oh, you imagine that explosion, that'd have been a big old bugger, wouldn't it? Yeah. Despite Church Rock being destroyed, they say at night, when the sea is particularly choppy, you can hear the ghostly peals of the bells ringing out. Fishermen believe that the bells tolls are a warning not to venture into the sea, fearing that they too will meet the same watery fate as the lost village of Shipton. Now, we're going to go a little bit further down the coast on our journey because just a few miles away is another seaside town or village that's disappeared into the sea. So, Jules, do you want to tell the story? So, this is the story of Eccles Next the Sea. And swallowed by the ever-advancing sea, most of the ancient village of Eccles on Sea is now completely underwater or beneath the sand we walk on today. On one occasion the sand was scoured away by a storm and visitors to the beach were treated to the sight of skeletons in the sand. The occupants of the graveyard attached to St Mary's Church. In fact, St Mary's Church was one of the last survivors of the village lost to the North Sea. Now some say you can still, once again, hear its bells ringing underwater as you sail by. Now, in May 1930, Lieutenant Commander RNA Brooks the captain of HMS Boyne reported hearing a bell at around 9.30am close to Eccles and having heard about the stories in Dunwich of underwater bells, he wrote to the EDP. When abreast of sea Pauling at about 9.30am, I very plainly heard one stroke of a deep toned bell. Have any of your readers heard any superstitions of Eccles Church bells being heard at sea? Read his letter. Now Britain is surrounded by the ghosts of its sunken cities, both real and imagined. Dunwich, not to be confused with H.P. Lovecraft's fictional Massachusetts setting of the same name, is a small village in Suffolk with a population a little under 200 people. Looking at its forlorn, windswept cliffs and lonely ruins, it's not hard to believe that Dunwich is one of the most haunted spots in Suffolk. The lost town of Dunwich itself lies far beneath the waves of the North Sea. 50 foot below the surface and up to a mile out from the beach along which visitors walk today. In its watery tomb lie eight churches whose bells can be heard ringing out during storms. Here's the connection that we have with these places. I love it. Five houses of religious orders, so we're looking at monasteries here, two hospitals and three chapels. 
illustrating what an important centre Dunwich once was with its bustling port and royal charter. It's actually said that Dunwich town itself was the size of London. It was a yeah. massive, massive town. Mm. Yeah, It's amazing, it isn't is, it? Just really, to think yeah. it's all underwater It's now. gone, yeah, all gone. Yeah. Incredible. There's undoubtedly an eerie feeling around what's left of the village of Dunwich, especially so around the ruins of the Greyfriars Monastery, situated on the south side of the village and home to around 20 monks in its heyday in the late 13th century. It appears that maybe a few of them never left when the monastery was dissolved by Henry VIII with reports of ghostly monks seen wandering around the ruins at night. Unexplained lights have been seen from within the wooded area near the cliff edge just by the monastery itself. Some have suggested that the lights serve a sinister purpose, an attempt to lure souls to walk beyond the cliff edge and meet their maker. Not that dissimilar to the Lantern Men tale we told in one of our previous podcasts. Yes, yeah, I love so that story, the Lantern Men. Are the lights there? Go to the <laughs> cliff. Ah! Now, Greyfriars also has a link, another link. Here we go. To the terrifying hellhound said to have terrorised the area in the 16th century, the Black, Black Shark. Shark. I wrote we an love article Shark. about that years You're going to have ago. to find that because we yeah, we'll put that on our substack. The Devil Dog Shark, which he's known locally as, is said to have run through the grounds of Greyfriars in 1926, striking fear into the heart of a young woman who witnessed it. Fascinating. Mm. And he's all up and down the coast. Oh, yeah. Shuck loves the coast. And it's at the bottom as well. goes all the way down. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Which is interesting. It's a story we're going to have to tell. Yeah, And absolutely. we will. Yeah. Just before the gate into Greyfriars... Greyfriars... Fry... Wow, that's a hard one to say. On the left, look out for a single gravestone in undergrowth behind the fence to your right. Why? Take a close look mm-hmm. at this mossy gravestone, which clings bravely to the edge of the cliff. You can just make out the inscription, In memory of Jacob Forster, who departed this life on March the 12th, 1796, aged 38 years. So, you're asking, what the hell is a solitary grave doing on the edge of a cliff? Well, I would think it's because the rest of it's all disappeared. You're spot on. The surprising answer is that you're actually standing yeah. in what was once part of the churchyard. Um, this gravestone, once dressed in the churchyard of one of medieval Dunnage's parish churches, All Saints, the church building, all of its coffins, gravestones and bones have been lost to the sea, all except this one gravestone. And there's a corner of the church that they rescued, and it's now on the grounds of the church a bit further inland. So poor little fellow, his little skeleton person just gripping there, holding on. He's there. On the edge, the last man left in that cemetery. Poor little chap, eh? In fact, you can find pictures of the skeletal remains of the graveyard inhabitants if you search carefully. They could be found littering the beach or seen protruding gruesomely out of the cliff. We even managed to find some bones for sale, presented in a nice glass case for the collector to enjoy. That stunned me when I found lovely. that. Oh, I don't, what Wouldn't the it be hell? lovely just to have some bones of someone, yeah. you know, by yeah. your fireplace, just resting there? It was there. like the advert said, you know, bones found on Dunwich Beach, possibly mm. human, presented in a nice glass case. I'm like, really? You see, that's when you could get problems with hauntings as well. Exactly. I mean, you wouldn't. No. You wouldn't, which leads us on to the next bit very nicely mm. young Juliet there go on then so you, tell us all about it picked up the brilliant thing <laughs> here okay so like Jules said resist if you can picking up any curious flints or objects that you find here and taking them home yeah in Oh Whistle and I'll Come to You My Lad M.R. James' eerie ghost story an academic who refuses to believe in ghosts digs up a bone whistle found in All Saints Graveyard at Dunwich. I love this story. Blows the whistle and summons a spirit. So it's fantastic the fact that the M.R. James story is attached to that. I saw churchyard. there's actually um, a TV, like a mini film made of that. There as is well. a really good adaptation and of it. I've seen yeah. it. I've uh, seen it and it's really, really good. It is really, really creepy. It's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. That is a classic M.R. James tale as yeah, well. I loved it. Really scary. So yeah. You're right. There's no way I'd want to take home bones from no that way. beach. Absolutely no way. No, or flint or a whistle. Or anything at all. 
<laughs> Certainly not a bone whistle, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Now, in the ruined leper chapel in the grounds of the church, people claim to have also seen white shapes flitting around there at night. So, what do you think? Could they be the ghosts of the lepers, perchance? Yeah, you see lepers again. We had lepers at um, West Summerton, but here they are it. here. Yeah, yeah, so interesting. But they weren't, they were saying, weren't they seen as religious people? They were seen as monks, yeah. yeah. Yeah, which they would have been because they were lived, lived because in monastic we've always, lifestyle. We've, all, we've always historically thought of them as, as people to, uh, you know, be revered or uh, avoided and, oh, my mm, God, yeah. you know. But people actually did respect them, didn't they? They, because it was seen as a holy, like holy we said, disease. holy disease, yeah. yeah. Because it originated from the Holy Land, yeah. lepers were seen to be people that had gone on the crusade, caught the disease, so they were venerated. But it just, it just seems weird to me that you have that side to it and then... You have places where, you know, you have the leper colonies and they would just abandon them and stuff. And yeah, yeah. It was kind of... Really odd. Yeah. They were respected and hated at the same time. Exactly, yeah. Strange. It was such an awful illness, that's the thing, well, because yeah, no. it, it, it disfiguring is yeah. the best way to describe it. And it would, like, it would mess your face up, your bits of your hands and things would fall off. I mean, it was just a horrible, horrible I mean, I, illness. I remember, this going back a few years now, when I visited Venice and I remember... As we came in on the boat, you could see these little islands and ruins of the leper colonies and ruins of the buildings where they just dumped them. That's the fact, those islands offshore. Yeah. This is really yeah. brilliant because this is where the actual phrase quarantine comes from. It was from, it's uh, a Venetian term saying that they would leave them out there for four weeks. Mm. And you would come into port and if your ship was plagued or there was diseased people on board, they would make them stay on these islands yeah, for right. four weeks. Yeah. And survivors then would be allowed into Venice. And it's the only way they could then maintain the safety of Venice to stop the plague actually getting into the city it's itself. So, it? yeah, yeah, creepy yeah. stuff. So that's it about lepers. But what happens, Nigel, when you venture down to the beach? Well, if you wander down onto the beach, you may be treated to the sight of a brightly dressed young Elizabethan sailor boy. Sailor boy. Oh, I say. <laughs> Hello, sailor. Mm. Stop it. Oh, no. I'm. Oh, sailor should... boy. It's oh, naughty, isn't it? I've got to be careful what I say here. Yes. Anyway, this um, young sailor boy is seen walking along the beach, and sometimes he's been witnessed climbing into a phantom boat and rowing away. Away where? Oh, out to sea. I presume to go and join his ship that may be offshore. sailor sure. went to see, see, see. To see what he could see, see, see. And all Sorry. that he could see, see, see. <laughs> was the bottom of the deep blue sea. C -C -C. I hope not. Indeed. No, he might ask where he might but be, actually. Others have spoken of seeing apparitions and hearing the sounds of grazing cows and sheep along the shoreline. Listen very carefully, and you may also hear the ghostly laughter of disembodied children on the beach. Mm. What a curious collection. I know. Moos and bars and <laughs> kids. Strange. Yeah, all at once. Mm. Creepy. Sure, what I was yeah. saying, the beach actually itself, they said, was um, where that part of the foreshore was actually would have been like where the meadows and things were, where they would sort of graze their animals. So, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I actually wonder whether the kids are like kids from the past that are like Ooh, yeah. enjoying their time on the beach. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah, quite possibly. Thinking possibly not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Even the local pub, the Ship Inn, has a story to tell. It's said to be home to a ghost in the attic room. A previous owner of the pub reported that she once woke up in the depths of the night to find a ghostly figure sitting at the end of her bed. She is said to watch the figure vanish into one of the walls. Renovation work years later on the pub uncovered a previously hidden door behind the wall which the ghost is thought to have disappeared through, as well as another room attached to the pub of which the landlord had no previous knowledge. Ooh, so that sounds to me like a residual haunting. It's a residual, isn't it? Definitely, yeah. Sort of gone yeah. through, then gone through the door that was there and into the room that's there that no one else knew, knew about. So, yeah. yeah, it's interesting, yeah. So, in The Rings of Saturn, W.G. Seabald's book describing his journey through East Anglia, he wrote, Dunwich, with its towers and many thousand souls, has dissolved into water, sand and thin air. If you look out across the sea towards where the town must have been, you can sense the immense power of emptiness. Yeah. And it is a strange place. Have you been there? Yes. Yeah, it's amazing. We're going to have to go and investigate, oh, I think. yeah, we'll have to do it, yeah. won't we? I mean, we have kept over the border. This is Suffolk, so... But we can sneak over the border. We can. We can be rebels, can't we? We can indeed. <laughs> Why not? Now, the macabre folklore, the dark heart of Dunwich, tells of a local maiden with a broken heart who haunts the area around the beach, searching for her lost love. 
The legend tells of how Eva, a Dunwich maiden, due to be married to the son of a local landowner, fell instead for a good-looking local cad, who had his way with her and then deserted her, running off to sea. What a surprise. Mm, Right. After waiting in vain for her lost love to return, she cut out her heart and hurled it into the sea. Hang on a minute. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going, how can you cut out your heart, still be alive to hurl it into the sea? I wouldn't have thought that's probably possible. That would be quite difficult, wouldn't it? I would think so. Although I have seen chickens that have had their heads chopped off keep on running. Yeah, but that's slightly different because that's just like the nerves finishing off. That's doing true. What yeah, to do. hang about you. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, anyway, it was a local folklore tale. Yeah, but uh. according to the legend, she was unable to die and still haunts the area, particularly around the constantly shifting beach, where the land meets the sea. The heart itself, believed to be similar in appearance to a wooden heart is believed to wash up occasionally and bring great misfortune onto anyone who picks it up and keeps it. Folks, if you come across something that looks like a wooden heart, leave it alone, all right? If you go to the beach and you see a beating heart or a woman ripping a heart out or anything like that, okay? Walk away, walk the other way, look the other way, Don't pick it up. Don't get excited. Please don't take it home. Stand well clear. You know, it's all warnings tonight, isn't it? Isn't it? Don't pick up bone whistles. Don't pick up wooden hearts. I know. Scary stuff. Don't go towards the lights on the edge of the cliff. Wait. Don't go go. swimming. Indeed. Because of the currents. Yeah. Just don't go to the beach. Keep away from the beach. (laughs) If this is what we're going to say now, okay, for all those people who don't come from Norfolk, don't come here. Oh, no. Don't come to our beaches. Stay well away. No. What's what's the plan? No, it's not the plan. If I said it, they'll stop them coming, wouldn't it? Yeah, but it's nice to meet people. I know it's kind of Norfolk and we don't like outsiders. But but they they take up so much space on the beach. Oh, I know. And all the rubbish as well. I know. Why don't they just So we can discourage them. This this was the plan, wasn't it? Oh, God, are we still recording? No, I don't think so. Anyway, um, where were we? (coughs) Yes. Like we were saying, um, don't pick up anything strange on the beach. Yeah. Because Be careful. No telling. Especially round these parts, boy. Laugh me, boy. You never yeah. know what you're getting on Norfolk Just beaches. Mm. Be a bit careful, right? I like going to the beach and picking things up, though. Well, sea glass. Sea glass. Is I lovely. love sea glass. Yeah, sea glass yeah. Is nice. yeah. It's getting harder and harder to find. Though, it isn't is. It? Yeah. Don't so much on our beaches. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. sad. Well, you've got a collection of sea glass. I have got you? a collection of sea glass. Yes. Well, you haven't done anything with it yet. I have. Well, I made. I made you a heart. Oh, you did. I love that. I've Thank still you got very it. Much. Oh, yeah, there we go. Look, it's still. Let me show you. Here, I keep it here on my little glasses case. Look. Oh yeah. Little heart. Look that my little sea glass that you made for me. There we yeah, go. Still well, got it. Yeah. So I've got it here, and I've got some quartz here as well. Oh, yeah. Keep that with me. I need that. Yeah, yeah indeed. Yeah. Anyway, so there we go. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. It's not as giggly as we usually are tonight. I know. We've been sort of well-behaved this time, yeah, haven't we? Yeah, we behaved so, ourselves I did. Once. I did sort of try and find amusing things. I mean, there was the back corridor and Dick Condon. And yeah, well, that. I thought you'd find exactly. that a bit of a giggle. Sniggering in the background. <laughs> <laughs> and then trying to find words that Jules couldn't say. And I did only have that sort of wayborn one. Do but do that to me. I love You're it. Mean. Yeah, but people, the audience expects it. Oh, I know. But we just, we love, I mean, we said at the start of this, we love the beach. Yeah. Really, really love the beach. And there's so many fantastic stories from around our coastline. I think we're going to come back and tell some more. We've got loads to tell. Because we've got absolutely loads to tell. And there's yeah. so many hauntings yeah. as well. Yeah, so and many fascinating And we've got tales. to look at Winterton and, and see, because, yeah, see what I picked up down there. We'll go there. Let's do it. We'll investigate Winterton. Yes. We'll investigate Dunwich. We'll put our thermals on and head down to the beach. We will indeed. Yeah. And we'll also go and pester Chroma Pier. Pester Chroma Pier? Yeah, see if we can get on there as well. <gasps> do you reckon? Yeah. That'd be cool. It's worth a try, isn't it? It's, what about the lifeboat station? Yeah, we could try that one too. Yeah. In fact, to... I think they used to have a man telling ghost stories in there, so... Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Who was that then? Well, I don't know what his name was, but I just remember seeing it advertised. Oh, okay. So it's worth a go. Well, it's worth an ask, isn't we'll it? We'll give it a try. If you don't ask, you don't get. Indeed, indeed. Mm. Well, there we go. 
That's it. Well, thank you for putting up with us once again. I yeah. hope it wasn't too painful. Yeah, but we, we, <laughs> we shared information this time. <laughs> oh, he's off again. Oh, for goodness sake. Oh, dear, oh, dear. I really hope next podcast I've got rid of this. Now he's pipping. What's oh, well, pipping? It's my computer's telling me oh, things. Oh, the Mac, isn't it? Honestly. You know, good old Mac. It's telling my contact password is required and my Google password is required. I don't know why it's telling me that. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Mine does the same. It's obviously a Mac thing. It is a Mac thing. Annoying. Just Macs are annoying. Don't diss my Mac. I have a Mac, but I still find them annoying. Oh, I know. Mm. Team PC. No. <laughs> no. No. No, 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 no. Mm. I'm holding up a crucifix. I know Get back. Are. Get back with your PC. <laughs> ah. Anyway. That's it from us. It is indeed. We'll be back again soon. We will. With another story. God knows what it will be next time. I've got some ideas. God help you. I know. You gave me a list of them. <laughs> I, I've seen that list that you've actually put on our notes. And I'm like, oh, no. We need to cover off UFOs. We haven't done that yet. Well, we talked about this one earlier on, didn't we? We did. And I think that, might be, that might be a good one. A bit one. more cryptozoology is on the list. We, honestly, I've really got to get in touch with Richard Freeman and get him on. Oh, yes, please. Yeah, because we, we need to talk to an expert. Yeah, we do. We do. We need really to get do. a guest. <laughs> We, yes, yes, someone who knows what they're talking about rather than us. <laughs> yes. Who don't? As you may obviously have heard. Anyway, so there's only one thing left for us to do, really. Yeah. Um, if you want to keep up with the strange things that we do, we have our lovely website, which is at www.outtheregroup.net. We also appear on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We have a Substack newsletter now. We do. Yeah. You've done all that. You've been working really hard. I've on been that, working right? really hard, yeah. You have. Yeah, yeah. Bless you. If there is some articles going to appear on there very soon. Yeah. I, need, actually... to, I need to get my bottom to go and do something to I help. I know, but you be, you've been working hard on other things. Well, so, yeah. Yeah. Real life, unfortunately, has sort of taken a lot of your time, but mm. things are going to get better, so. Yeah. That's the most important thing. I know a song thing. about that. Things can get, get better. better. We're singing a lot tonight. Yeah, we've been singing all night, haven't we? we? we better go, yeah. Yeah. Before they hear any more of our singing. Yeah, you don't want to do that. Exactly. You don't want to hear us singing. So. So it's good night from me. And it's good night from him. Good night. Good night. Sleep tight. See you soon.